Hey everybody, Matt here. I just wanted to let you know that at some point during the show today, the audio quality might drop because we had to go back to the Skype recording. Uh, we had an issue with one of the recorders. So just wanted to let you know. Um, thanks for listening. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to episode 10 of the Promptly Written Podcast. Every month, we pick a writing prompt, we write stories, and then we talk about them. My name's Matt Chigarek, and with me, as always, Ian Lewis. What's up, Ian? Hey, man. Uh, I can't believe we're on episode 10 already. I know. Double digits. It, like, it's it's pretty exciting. It's like that first year's, like, We're looming. almost at a year, yeah. That's yeah. crazy. I got to tell you, I'm having fun. I mean, it's been busy as shit, and we're going to get into that. Like, like And next month is going to be even busier, I think. But um, I've been having a ton of fun with it. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and slowly but surely, I've been keeping an eye on, like, the numbers of subscribers. And we could talk about that, like, after the fact. But they, they, they rise every month. So, like, they're going up and not down. So I think we Very must be cool. doing something right. So thanks to everybody for listening and telling must be telling other people to listen so that those numbers keep going up. We appreciate it. Um, all right. So we should probably just jump right into it, right? Yeah. All right. So, first things first, it's, it's more follow-up, and the follow-up is about me. I'm still a liar. So, <laughs> so I don't know if, like, anybody who listened to episode 9, and, and episode 8, for that matter, uh, <laughs> they, they heard me, like, promise that I was going to read Ian's latest book, From Legend. And, like, for the last episode, I was, I was actually going to be on a plane. We went on vacation. We went, like, we flew across the country we, to Portland. I'm in Cleveland. We went to Portland, so we had, like, four to five hours of flight each way. I was like, man, I can tackle this book. I know I can tackle this book. I did not tackle this book. I, You're a terrible, terrible friend. I have never. I, I, that's true. I'm not going to deny the fact. I, it's true, but for whatever reason, on each of these plane rides, like I got nothing done at all. Like and like How? this is this is gonna sound like like excuses, but this is what happened. So the first flight we we and this still baffles me, but we had to fly from fucking Cleveland to Houston to Portland on the way there. So I had like these these long flights, and on the first flight to Houston, the person in front of me, they put their seat back, which always annoys me. It's like just I know the seats go back, and I know you can put the seat back, but don't be a dick. Like, I have less space. I'm not going to put my seat back because then the guy behind me is going to think I'm a dick. And I don't want that. So I sit there and I don't have enough room. And then the, there's this guy and this guy couldn't help it. This dude was like, he must have been like a like a linebacker or something because he was huge. And I'm not a tiny guy. So I'm sitting there like cramped into this guy. And I'm just sitting and I was like kind of sitting there just kind of like pouting for the whole flight there. So I just had my headphones on and I was listening to music. Then, and this is the best thing ever, the flight to Portland, I had this, like, middle-aged couple next to me, and they cuddled the whole time. <laughs> like, like legit, like, cuddled. Like, they, they pulled the divider up between their two seats. I was on the aisle, and they had the window in the middle, and she would, like, put her legs up on the seat and, like, snuggle into his shoulder, and they would, like, take a nap, and then they would, like, switch seats, and he would put his head, like, on her chest, and they would sit there, and, like, I've never fucking seen... So, like, I couldn't concentrate on anything because I was <laughs> trying not to laugh at the fucking people next to me. Like, my wife was across the aisle with my kids and I was like in the seat next to them. And like, I just, I just kept making eye contact with her. Like, look at these fucking people. Like, like legit, like I, like imagine like, like an eighth grade boyfriend, girlfriend on like a field trip bus ride, like holding <laughs> yeah. hands and like, like all up in each other's shit. Like that's what was happening. Only they were like 50. I've never seen anything like it. So that was completely mm -hmm. distracting. Now, fast forward to the way back. I was having like some anxiety or something like legit, like almost like panic attack and where I just I couldn't concentrate on anything. It was like it was it was the weirdest set of plane rides I've ever been on in my entire life. See, to me, this sounds like you needed a distraction. I did. And I tried. But and like you could have found that in a book. Well, like I had schoolwork Namely to do my book. <laughs> See, I had schoolwork to do. So I was like trying to do that. And I did get a little bit of that done on the way there because like it was 
it was the final week of that class, so I had some some stuff that I absolutely had to turn in. So I like did a little bit of that, but I didn't finish it until we got to to my brother's house. And then, yeah, I tried, but I just I could not concentrate. I'm the worst. I'm the absolute worst. So I don't know. I I guess I have another month. Like yeah, well I don't know. We know we know the kind of friend you are when you release your first book. Yeah, don't I'll have the listen. Thing re- I'll be an early reviewer. I'll have it read before it's even released. Or give me a taste of my own medicine and be like, "F you, man! I'm not I reading can't. your book." I so, can't do that. Speaking of F you, can I like this isn't in the show notes, but th- this came up the other day, and you you're not on Facebook, so you wouldn't have seen this. So, are you familiar with the the adage, "This is an A and B conversation, so see your way out of it"? Have you I've, heard that I'm before? Sure I've heard it. Yeah. Okay, that's only half of the story. May I tell you the second half of it? Sure. Okay. This is an A and B conversation. So see your way out of it before D jumps over E and Fs you up, G. (laughs) So stupid. (laughs) I heard that the other day and like it was like one of those like life changing moments where I felt like my previous life had been cheated for not knowing the rest of that. I, yeah, I, just... I, I don't feel any more enriched. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> to each his own, I guess. But I, I love that, and now the world knows it. So yeah. So my deepest apologies. I'm gonna keep calling myself out every month until I read it. So I guess I have another month. So, but it also kind of leads into to what I wanted to. The first thing I wanted to talk about today was like motivation. So like. As I mentioned, my class was ending when I was traveling to Portland, and then like the day after I got there, a new class started. And since I was on vacation, I was kind of doing everything like last minute, like bare minimum, just to like get stuff done. And like I feel like I've just been constantly behind, and I have no motivation to do anything. Like once I start writing, I'm fine, but it's getting to the point where I'm actually like putting that pen down on the paper and for all of you modern writers you know your fingers hitting the keys or whatever i've been having a real hard time getting to that point like to like sometimes i'll just be sitting at home on the couch like browsing twitter knowing that i should be doing something else and i'm not doing it so do do you ever run into these problems with motivation so i kind of so it's sort of a weird dichotomy um i am always motivated to write in the sense that i always have ideas and i want to get them out and I always have the intent to write. Yes. Like it's never, it's never uh, like I should make time to write. It's like I always want to make time and find time to write. But many times the time you get to write is also the time that your mind wants to kind of veg out a little bit. Yes. Because it's like at the end of the day or it's lunchtime at work or something. And that coincidentally is also the time where, hey, I got to catch up on email or I just – I needed to go look something up or like, you know, you wanted to research something or you have to replace something. So you have to do some research on your purchase or whatever, any number of things that you just can't fit into any other time of day. And so sometimes it's like, well, that takes priority and you, you know, you don't get your writing done, but I would, I wouldn't say it's a motivation problem. It's more of a distraction problem. Okay. I mean, I mean, that's fair. So I would say that like, Maybe I'm too distracted then. Maybe there's so many different things that I think I should be doing and I can't decide and that I just choose to do nothing. I think if I had, if I didn't have a day job and I had all day, like if writing was my job, yeah, which I would love for that to be sure. my job. But of course, if that happened, you'd probably hate it. It's like, I wonder if like chefs like come home and they don't want to cook because all they did was cook all day. Oh, but... I bet you they don't. I bet you like, I bet you there's a chef out there and then like some, the the, the, the chef's sitting there and their wife's like, you know. I think we're going to have the family over for fucking Thanksgiving. And he's like, the fuck we are. We're going to let Aunt Alice cook that shit because I'm done. Yeah. So, but I'm like, you know, that aside, I think if I had, you know, normal working hours to write, I think I would maybe, maybe not have that problem. But because I'm trying to cram it into my free time, it, it, you know, there's the distraction. It's so hard to say because I like, I don't know, like I said, I was on vacation. So like I, I had the ability to, to stay up as late as I wanted or, reversely like wake up as early as I wanted and just like do whatever and even if I'm like staying at home or have a day off like I'm gonna do this on my day off like and then you just like kind of wake up and you sit there (laughs) like 
Yeah, I didn't you have so any options. It. You don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah, I was just curious because like this month has been like just like a real wreck for me. Just like I've been doing everything like at the super last minute. And when I do stuff at the super last minute, it stresses me out more. Like, for example, like the story for this pod, this the, the show we're recording right now, I finished two nights ago. I thought you were say two hours ago. No, I finished it two nights ago, but I started it two and a half weeks ago. Well, I mean, that's not a... So it's like I wrote like terrible. I wrote like 800 words, and then I sat on it for like two weeks, and then we were, were going to record in two days, and I was like, well, I better finish it. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's weird because like I'm taking that time to like shut my brain down, but then when I absolutely have to do stuff, it stresses me out more than as if... I would have just spent like the hour or two writing it over the span of those two weeks. Yeah. See, I, I set aside everything else writing related and I try to knock out the podcast story as soon as I possibly can to make sure that it's done so that I'm not distracted and I can get back to my regular writing. That makes sense. Maybe I should try to employ that. So probably tomorrow or sometime this week, I will start on the next story. But well, I got to tell you, like, we'll, we'll I got I need an idea. <laughs> we'll save the prompt to, like for the end. But like, I'm I'm looking at the prompt for next month. I don't, and know. I, like, I don't know what to do with it. I don't even know. That's one that I'm probably going to be thinking about for two weeks. And I'm going to be sitting there and it's like, well, I have to write something. So I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully. I mean, I guess it depends on how ridiculous i want to take it but you, we'll, we'll you can take it anywhere really and that's what's fun about it but yeah it doesn't it doesn't really give me any <laughs> ideas right off the bat no definitely and there there was another one that was like that it was um something about a burrito no i mean just one of our past episodes where i really struggled with what i was gonna write and it took me like weeks before i, fi- I was i finally just sat down i've tried to i don't remember which episode it was but there was one where it's literally I just sat down and I just started writing words until something started coming out because I was like, I need something. But that's that's what that's what makes this 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 whole thing challenging. Yeah, it's a challenge. It's fun, but it's it is a challenge. So the next thing that I kind of wanted to just talk about, and it's been on my mind because we've been kind of going through it in the in the current class that I'm in, is um we've had to we had to establish like the theme of our writing like what we're trying to get across, like right off the bat. And it's it, that is so anti like how I kind of approach writing that I kind of wanted to get your take on it. So like my mindset is that story comes first and any underlying theme or whatever should develop naturally as you're creating an entertaining story. So like I think that that should develop organically. And then, like, I was listening to a podcast. I'll try to throw the the link in the show notes. It's called Write Along. Um, it's uh, C. Richard Cargill. Um, he wrote Doctor Strange. He was talking about it, and he was like, you know, sometimes I write something, and I don't know what the theme of it is until somebody tells me what the theme of it was. And that's kind of, like, where I'm coming from. Like, I just want to tell, like, a really good story. And it's been, like, completely messing with my head having to try to come up with the theme because I feel like if you're going to pick a theme and then write to the theme, you, you run the risk of it sounding preachy. Yeah. I think you run the risk of, um, the theme becomes the, I'm not trying to describe it. I don't want to say the point of the story because that's, I guess sort of what the theme is, but it, it becomes the, the it, it kind the of overtakes point? this. Yeah. It overtakes the story rather than having a story like resonate or um, kind of be symbolic for something, you end up, it's almost like a show versus tell thing. Like you end up telling your theme rather than showing it. I agree. I agree. That's, that's a really good way to say it. And I don't know why, but that, that was just, it's been bugging me that I had to come up with this first. Yeah. I, I mean, if you're, I think if you're a really good writer, you can start with a theme and wrap something around it. And I think a lot of good writers have done that. But I, I think I'm with you where I sort of get an idea for a story first. And then um, I'm not at the extreme of someone has to tell me what the theme is because I, I always approach things with I want there to be a point. Like I don't want to write just completely selfishly. But I don't start with a theme per se and say, how do I create a story out of it? I just have an idea for a story. I'm like, OK, what can I do with it meaningful? Right. And I think, see, for me, like a lot of that will come as I'm writing. And it's like I could be three quarters of the way through a story and be like, oh, 
Well, this is interesting, and I think it could be about this. And then maybe you have to go back earlier and maybe like plant a seed for that, so that it doesn't like come out of nowhere. Sure. And I think that a lot of times, for me at least, theme comes more in editing and revising than it does like at conception. Yeah, I can kind of see that. I would also say that I, I wouldn't necessarily apply um, anything of what I just said to anything I'm writing for the podcast necessarily. <laughs> uh, I don't always have a theme or a point that I would say I would reserve that that sort of general thrust for my my regular work. But this is just sort of what I come up with month to month. <laughs> yeah, I, I challenge any listeners out there to try to find a theme in some of the stuff that I've been writing for this podcast. Yes, that's that's not <laughs> like, that. Watch it. If you if you got a theme or idea, like tweet it at me. Like I want to know. Like you know the whole clown thing or whatever. Like let me know what you think that means because I'm interested because I don't know what it means. I don't think any of us know <laughs> want to know what it means. Well, actually, I do. I do think we got to the bottom of it with the last episode, and I think it the last episode was the clown episode, right? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think that was two episodes ago. Last episode was, um, you wrote the prison story and, uh. Oh, that's right. It was, so it was episode eight. So it was I can't remember what I wrote. Is that bad? Yeah, you wrote the story that, about investigating my murders that I didn't oh, pick up right. on, remember? That's right. <laughs> Thanks for making me call myself out on that again. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, but like I think we came, we decide. I think we just decided that I'm killing children so much because I think that that is the most like horrific, thing. horrific thing that somebody could do is kill a child, and I think that's why it keeps coming up because I'm, it's it's it seems to be the theme of all my horror stuff, like children dying. So take that for for what it's worth. But I think it seems it seems like we're both on the same page for this theme thing. So. I guess what I'm going to have to do in this class is just kind of put my head down, like grin and bear it, and four weeks from now I won't have to worry about it anymore. All right, so before we get into the stories, I know you're not so big into this, but Camp NaNoWriMo starts July 1st, so like as you're listening to this, if you're listening, well, I mean, as you're listening to this, it's probably going on. So I did this back in April, and it was one of those things that actually did kind of keep me motivated. Because you go, you can go to the website every day and update like your progress on your goal, and you could set your goal for for like the fifty thousand words if you want. My goal is I in April I did fifteen minutes a day, and I hit that goal. So in July I decided that I'm going to do twenty minutes a day, and it it, it took it from like four hundred and fifty to six hundred and twenty minutes total, and that's not crazy, but it did keep me a little more on task knowing that. Like I don't like to see like too many zeros in the in those update days because I feel like I'm not doing anything. So um, I'm going to be doing that again. Their Twitter account, the NaNoWriMo Twitter account, organizes like write sprints a few times a day to to help people, and they kind of throw prompts and and stuff out there if if you're into that, so that you can write along. I'll be dividing my work between the next podcast story, the screenplay that I need to write and the novel that I'm planning. So like I got three different things that I'm working on. So I guess it's just whatever's going to take priority that day, but I'll sometimes I can't they do a lot of their 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 sprints during the day and I like to, I usually end up writing at night. So I will also if if I'm not like jumping on one of their sprint sprints, I'll just try to organize like a sprint and I usually get a few people um, if I give, if I give enough notice. So follow me on Twitter, follow NaNoWriMo on Twitter. And there is a Nano Word Sprints Twitter account as well. Um, all of it, um, that's just tips for everybody, like stay motivated. So I don't know if that's something you'd be interested in, in partaking in, Ian, but, um, I don't know for, for whatever reason, when I have the little ticker on a, a website to update my progress with, it keeps me a little more motivated. I'm going to pass. Thanks. <laughs> All right. So I will let you know uh, next month how I'm doing. I hope to hit those 620 minutes and get a bunch of writing done. So there you have it. Um, that's all I think we had today. So I think we could roll right into the stories. Yeah. What do you do think? It. All right. So the boy who cried wolf. That was our prompt. Uh, yes. And this um, once again, I think this was inspired. I, I've. 
I got a subscription to Masterclass this year, and I was watching Neil Gaiman's thing, and this was inspired by something he did where he just suggested taking something very familiar to you and then putting your own twist on it. So that's what we decided to do. We put that out to you guys, and you decided The Boy Who Cried Wolf is the one that we should write about. So, Yeah, he had done uh, – it was a short story. He took the Snow White story, and I'm trying to remember the name of it. I looked it up. Um, but yeah, so that's why we went with the fairy tale theme. Yeah, so uh, I'm excited about it. Um, Ian, you want to start us off? Yeah, I uh, – I this, this month I indulged my love for um, experimental fiction. Okay. So you'll you'll uh, you'll probably pick up on that a little bit as I go. There's little sort of like subtitles for like section breaks I got in here that I'll read. So that's that's what that is. I'll I'll warn you in advance. But um, the name of the story is Symbiosis. Symbiosis. Yeah. All right, I'm ready. All right, so here we go. The boy, as the wolf says. Running through your body, coursing through your blood, investigating the nooks and crannies, exploring the tendons and ligaments and muscle of your flesh. This host I find myself in, your being. Will you consume me? I don't want you to. We should be one, intertwined, meshing with you, filling in your gaps, allowing me to complete what's missing. We both know you're lacking. We both know you're wanting. You're weak without me, faltering and ineffectual, but I can propel you, propel us, streaking up the evolutionary ladder, binding your cells with the animal, sheathing your matter in the untamed, the ferocious, a power unsung and misunderstood. Running out of time is inconsequential. I will always be here waiting for you. The wolf, as the boy says, I can feel you inside me. Sense you somehow, an ephemeral tingle laced along my spine, so foreign yet so subtle, a simple frame around the canvas of my life, the kind that one looks past to see the details of the painting. Yet you're there, echoes of a thought, strains of leftover words never mouthed. Are you listening to me? Do you hear my thoughts? If I seek you out, will you find me? Inspiration sneaks in from places I've never been. Conclusions at which I'd never arrived by myself. You tell me about things I shouldn't know. You make me want to do things of which I shouldn't be capable. Is this normal? Some new mode of being into which one grows? I strove for bracing honesty, betterment, to make something good of my raw potential. To speak the truth like it undergirds the basis of everything. But that isn't clear now, not with your persuasion in my ear. Should I be worried? Do I need help? The boy is the wolf grows. Primacy, a new level of existence. The bending and breaking of your form, subservient to the new. The overtaking, the infiltration, the capitulation. A sinewy strength creeping out from the center. Elongation of limbs, sharpening of nails and teeth. You can feel it. Bursting forth clean through the limited, the weak. Standing with reinforcements just beneath your skin, waiting to be let loose, begging to be let loose. Drunken red vision filled with the fleeting as it falls underfoot. Overtaken, overtaking, our mind over matter, our will as it burns. I'm in your head now, your soul, bleeding and cauterizing, lashing and stitching you into something you aren't until you are. You are. This foaming mad howl erupting from your gut expelling the rot of a millennia infecting you even now. Even still, I've looked for centuries without blinking, walked without rest for longer, understanding everything and nothing. All things stand to fall. I cannot last you, wear you down. Abide by me, abide by us, becoming us. You are. The wolf as the boy grows. Is it wrong not to speak when you have something to say? Neglectful not to call for help when you know you're dying from the inside out. This absorbing thing, so innocuous and without pretense, yet so willful and brash. Mingling with the subterfuge of my subconscious. Numbing me. Taking up residence. Surgically altered and grafted onto my soul. It's alive, this thing. 
stewing and gestating and mutating itself into bloody black hell, infusing me, steeping me until I'm soaked in what only wants to steal, kill, and destroy, an insatiable hunger that wants to dig and bite and tear meat from bone. For the first time, I hate, straight-up visceral, lethal hate for me, for you, for everyone, for us. There's nothing in me that can withstand the furious, inconsolable rage that will supplant everything. All will give way to the seething, wrathful new, the new way, the new path, the new form. I'm beginning to see us now, in the mirror at night when the world is bedded down, calm and sedate, cast in a hideous outline, a feral, rangy body, protruding snout with curled black lips, a mouthful of shocking yellowed teeth, long and sharp and stained with gore. The boy is the wolf eats. I am you, and you are me. We are one. One is we. I've splayed you out like a gutted fish, spilled your insides as I feel dressed your soul. Succulent morsels, tender bits. All mine, all for me. Repurposed for us, inverting the good. You're not afraid anymore. I've driven fear from you. Eradicated your sense of decency. Purge your humanity, the very thing you hate. The very thing we hate. We're above this now. Those beneath us like insignificant insects, driving all our force into the carnage we manifest. Senseless, meaningless, utter destruction. It fuels you and strangles you all at once. But you will not stop. We will not stop. We will never stop. The wolf as the boy eats. Prowling, tracking, targeting, isolating, running down my prey with the persistence of a starving animal. We devour, we gorge. This is my cry for help. Can't they hear it in the gnashing of our teeth? Can't they feel it in their mutilated flesh? I'm sick. I despise life. The very notion of it is repugnant to me. Now I'm drowning, falling deeper into the abyss. Hope is false. Hope is gone spiraling the bottom as if it were the top, reeling at the ghastly, choking on the bones, king of my cadaver's castle, ravenous, murderous, the lie has come upon me. Tell our prey to despair of us like we despair of them, that our hate will haunt them and all who come after. Why didn't they see I needed help? Why didn't they sense something was wrong? I'm telling them now, screaming with bits of them between my teeth. The End Wow. You know, that is probably like nothing I have ever read, period, let alone by you. And that was kind of, that was dark, man. That was dark for an Ian Lewis. This was a very hard thing to write. I did not, I was very uncomfortable with it. it I didn't like the headspace I was in when I wrote it at all. I, I actually wrote that down because I, I was sitting there and I was like, man, this is getting kind of intense, and you really could feel like the alpha mentality of the of like the wolf like taking over. And I don't know, man. It it was it was it was almost like I'm trying I'm trying to find a word to to describe, but it was almost like I almost felt like cringy because like you felt I felt like the the boys resisting, but you knew that. Ultimately, in the end, there was going to be bits of flesh and teeth. Like you know, you knew who was going to come out on top, right? Well, I mean, I I, I don't know if you knew that, but I, sure. I, I just kind of got that feeling because, like, we okay, so like we go back to like we were in the beginning, right? And the the boy said, um, "Is this normal?" So you really got a sense, and I, I'm I'm just going out on a limb here, but I'm I'm assuming that there was like. A, a significant progression of time between each of these, right? Like the boy. Well, yeah, I think there's an assumption that there's a period of time that passes. Sure. So, like when when the boy was like in this, nor- is this normal? There was almost like an innocence to him. Like he didn't like you. You felt like you he he didn't know what was going on, and it was really like in contrast to the wolf's dominance, because the wolf like there there was no there was no there never seemed to be any hesitation when we were the wolf, right? Right. And then you get to the point later, and I think this is where I started to kind of get like a little cringy. Like, it was kind of how I felt when I wrote the clown thing. 
and some of the other stuff. Like when you get in the headspace where you're yanking out people's fingernails or about to kill a room of children, like you feel bad about it. And I felt like there's this whole I can outlast you thing. Like you said, I can outlast you. And I was like, oh, shit. Like this is real. Like this is happening. And the then the boy, I don't know. It was like, what did he say? The boy said something. After the after the whole I can outlast you thing, where you feel like he was he's he was opposed to the this this presence or whatever, but there was you knew that like you just got the feeling there was nothing he could do about it. Man, I'm I'm like that was dark, Ian. So yeah, how did so... you how did you decide to to take this approach? Because like I. I personally, like, I don't know if I've ever read anything, like, written in a similar... So I, I like in experimental fiction, or at least what I call experimental fiction. I okay. can't say that I've read a lot of it, but I always um, like to do something... It, it's fun to do things in a different format. I'll say that. Sure, so sure. the whole Driver series is meant to be experimental in that sense, where I do something a little different with every book. And so I hadn't done anything like that for a while, and I'm thinking about the prompt, and I'm like, what do I do with A Boy Who Cried Wolf? Like, I I didn't want to just um, sort of invert it where, like, it's sort of the opposite of what happens in the story. So, mm-hmm. and I was thinking about what Neil Gaiman did with the Snow White story. I'm like, well, he kind of went dark with it. And I'm like, well, how do you go dark with this? I'm, so the first thing I thought is werewolf. I'm like, ah. Uh, that's kind of lame. It's sort of like vampires and zombies. It's almost their own. They've become their own trope. But yeah. My wife. Yeah. yeah my yeah. wife. Yeah. But my wife and I had watched uh, Venom recently. Oh, OK. To- and total whole, side note. Did you like it? Uh, like overall, we don't know. Overall, no. <sighs> OK. There were parts of it that I did and I really liked the character. Yeah. I, and I love Tom Hardy. as an You actor. did a great job. Like, I think but you did he, a great job. But it's like, yeah, that's we don't want to think. Anyway, yeah, we don't want to go off on that tangent, but go ahead. So that that the whole symbiosis sort of concept was on my brain. I thought, OK, well, maybe that's a cool way to do a werewolf where it's like it's not so much uh, the 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 full moon comes out and I transform into a werewolf shtick. But it's like it's more of like this kind of internal struggle or battle between us. It's like a symbiotic type of relationship, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went with that and then I was like, well, how do I make that sort of compelling and – I, I had listened to um, some commentary about uh, people who sort of engage in self-destructive behavior or even like um, some of the kids who were school shooters and stuff like they mm-hmm. people had read like their manifestos and like these kids had gotten to the point where they essentially hated existence. Like they despised living yeah. and like they, just, they hated life itself. And I'm like, how do you, get to that point and what what would it do to you and so uh, i tried to think about like these people who just kind of degenerate and you know they they're so self-destructive and they get to this point where like they're gone you know yeah and uh that that and like i i was i was writing it i enjoyed the experimental aspect of it but at the same time i'm like man this is like it's kind of messing with me i didn't i didn't like it was there ever a point where you were like in the middle of it and you just had to like walk away for a minute like go get a drink of water or anything because no, like... I, I, I think I wrote it straight through over the course of probably two or three days. It came out pretty quick. It's not very okay. long. It's, okay. it's, it's not even a thousand words. Uh, see, see, this is where we balance each other out. <laughs> you went long again, didn't you? Listen, I, I, <laughs> I, I went a little bit long. I thought it was, it, it, it happens every time. I thought it was going to be short. Uh, I was wrong. You, you know, what can you do? But honestly, like, I I can't wait to go back and, and re-listen to that one because I feel like I, I almost I almost even want to read that one. You know what I, I mean? Because pretty well. I, th- I, th- I think you'll like it how it reads. But but my my other fear, though, is like sometimes you get people who take things the wrong way and they, you know, and who knows who's listening to us. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. Well, I mean, like, like, you know, I, I wouldn't want someone to take this story the wrong way. It, it's a commentary on people who are going down the wrong path. It's not in sure. Sure. Not and advocating anything. I, I didn't, I, when I was listening to it, I didn't feel that way. Like I honestly, I felt the werewolf it's thing a horrific, coming it's through. A horrific it was, it was just, yeah, it, it was, it was very horror. It was very, I don't know. I, I really, I, 
once again, you like you got me. Like that was good. I can't wait to listen to it again. And I'm actually looking, I'm looking forward to like taking the time to like slow that one down and actually read it. And I think we'll nudge on like this a little more in a couple episodes, but like one day in the future, dear listener, you're going to be able to get your hands on all of these in print. So this is going to be one that, uh, that I can't wait to go back to and read for sure. Well done. I guess that's my, my turn for my long ass thing here. <laughs> Let me see. Let me see how bad I did. Because I, um, you know, I handwrite everything. So as I'm writing, I do go in and like, you know, every, every time I, I get like caught up or something, I need to think about something, I'll go and just kind of count words. And for some reason, like I always, I always mess that up. Like I'm not very good at counting words because when I type it in, there's always more words than what I counted. So like, for example, um, handwritten, I'm looking at my, in my notebook here, it was 2393. Oh, jeez. Typed, it says 2478. What can you do? What I know what I should do is I should probably just start reading. <laughs> because, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's so but- long. Let's get the show on the road. So this one, uh, you know, it, I was gonna call. I was just gonna call it the boy who cried wolf, but I'm just calling it the boy, and you'll see. So okay. um, here we go. The boy sat on the top of the grassy hill, watching as giant clouds rolled in over the pasture. Beams of sunlight pierced through the gaps, casting spotlights on the beautiful sheep grazing in the pasture below. There were hundreds of them, moving slowly to find a nice patch of grass on which to feed lowering their heads to the ground and raising them slightly only to chew. The boy found the scene to be quite serene and spent most of his days letting his mind wander as they did their thing. There weren't many jobs for a 13-year-old in the village, and he reveled in the opportunity that had presented itself to him just a few months prior. The small village sat on the opposite side of the hill from the pasture, and during the day you could find most of its residents working outside. The men would tend to the crops and animals while the women stuck close to the homes, keeping track of the children in addition to the other chores around the house. The boy would sometimes get bored with the sheep and would spend his time watching the bustling village. This was one of those days. He was currently focused on his neighbor's wife, who was beating the dust out of a rug that she had hung out on a laundry line. Her rhythm was almost hypnotic, and although he was too far away to hear each slap of the broom, he could feel every swing resonate in his chest. Flap. Flap. The world around him began to shrink until the only things that existed in that moment were the woman, her broom, and that rug. Flap. His head jerked back in tension with every swing. Flap. Beads of sweat formed on his forehead and fell into his eyes, causing jolts of pain, the sweat clouding his vision. His attempts to blink them away were futile, and he couldn't muster the energy to raise his hand and wipe them away. Flap. Flap. His heart began to beat faster. His pulse, once in sync with the woman's swinging, had now doubled. Two for every strike. His eyes narrowed as his concentration grew. He could no longer see the woman, just the broom as it made impact and the resulting cloud of dust that burst forth from deep within the fibers of the rug. He was nearly at three beats per slap when a shadow began to cast across the village. The boy's eyes moved skyward as he watched a wall of storm clouds fill the sky above him. A cold breeze whipped across the hill, causing the boy to tug down on his shirt sleeves and cross his arms, making himself as small as he could. Flap, flap, flap. The sound startled him back to the village, and to the boy's surprise, the sudden drop in temperature seemed to have no effect on the woman who continued to beat the rug with every bit of vigor that she had before. The boy's head tilted in curiosity, but he didn't have too much time to contemplate as the sheep began to bleat furiously behind him. He turned, and the scene before him was unlike anything he had ever seen. All of the sheep were frantically moving to the center of the paddock, effectively trampling those unlucky enough to have been there all along. Nearly on top of each other, the aerial view was similar to that of a giant amoeba, slowly pulsating as it attempted to move away from a potential threat. The bleeding was continuous, inserting a haunting hum of distress into the atmosphere. The boy's eyes moved to the outside of the herd, and it didn't take him long to find the source of the commotion. At least a dozen giant gray wolves had circled the paddock and were slowly encroaching on the sheep. The boy's anxiety returned as he tried to muster up the fortitude to call for help. 
The wolves continued to move in closer. One good leap would start a feeding frenzy in no time. Flap. Startled, the boy jumped back, nearly falling to the ground in the process. Wolves! Two women at the base of the hill, one of whom who had been tasked with keeping an eye on the young shepherd, jumped up and started to climb up the hill. Wolves! Wolves! Hurry! By the time the woman reached him, the boy was nearly convulsing with fear. Tears streaked down his face, creating tracks of apparent cleanliness in what was otherwise a filthy child. The older of the two women grabbed him by the shoulders, shaking him to get his attention. Boy, boy, pull yourself together. She turned to the other woman. Run and get his mother. The second woman left without hesitation. Boy! The woman grabbed the boy by the face and pointed at the paddock. Look! No wolves! The boy did a double take as he looked down upon his beloved sheep, still grazing in the pasture without a thread in sight. All of the adrenaline left his body at once, and he slowly slipped out of consciousness, falling into the arms of the woman as his mother made her way up the hill. The sunlight shone through the window over the boy's face. As his eyes fluttered awake, he relished in the heat for a moment, but only until he realized how cold the rest of his body was. He blinked the sleep out of his eyes and turned to see his mother and the doctor in deep conversation. Mom? He muttered, trying to get her attention, but to no avail. Bracing himself with his arms, he tried to push himself up, and while initially successful, he became very dizzy and fell back hard onto the bed. This got the attention of the adults, and the boy's mother rushed to his side with a doctor in tow right behind her. Mom? Shh, baby. Mama's here. She touched him lightly on the arm but pulled back, startled by the chill of his skin. She grabbed a heavier blanket from the foot of the bed and wrapped him in it. She rubbed his arms and watched as he drifted back to sleep. Just rest, she whispered into his ear before kissing him lightly on the forehead. She turned back to the doctor, shooting daggers at him with her eyes and began to shout in a whisper. Now you really mean to tell me that this is a normal side effect? A normal reaction to your super drug or whatever you call it? The doctor sighed but maintained his composure. Well, he's getting better. Better? She said louder than she had intended. She lowered her voice back down to a whisper. You call seeing imaginary things and panicking until he passes out better? Well... Look, I admit, his behavior's improved and his teachers are impressed with his newfound focus, but he's seeing things. He said the whole village in a panic over these imaginary wolves three times now. She paused to take a series of deep breaths. Hallucinations are common with this medication, although I must admit his reaction to them is a bit more intense than I'd like. The doctor scratched his upper lip as he looked down at the sleeping boy. A bit more intense than you'd like? The boy's mother shot the doctor a look that would strike fear into the heart of any man, but the doctor was lost in his thoughts. Everybody thinks he's crazy. The doctor turned and began to pace the room, muttering to himself. Yes, we could take him off the medication, but then we risk going straight back to the drawing board. He stopped and gave a long, hard look at an empty space on the wall before spinning on his heels and starting the journey back across the room. He continued. Could also try an alternative, but if he's acting like this already, this is the mildest of the treatments. He stopped at the opposite wall and was tracking the movement of a beetle traversing the off-white plaster when the boy's mother decided that she had had enough. She grabbed the doctor by the shoulders and spun him around to face her. He looked past her in a daze, which she quickly shook him out of. What are you going to do to help my son? He looked down at her with sympathetic eyes, which actually calmed her down a bit. Well, what if we could make him think he's still taking his medicine, but without him actually taking it? She looked at him sideways. What what do you mean? He cleared his throat. There are a lot of people who don't believe that what your son has is an illness at all. They would say that it's all in his head. He waited for a reaction that never came. Now, we know that these pills have helped him in school, but that help has come with some unfortunate side effects. The fire returned to the mother's eyes. Unfortunate? He cut her off. So what we could do is eliminate the possibility of those side effects. Because he thinks that the pills work, we just replace them with a placebo. 
He'll think it's medicine, and hopefully his improvement continues. What? I don't understand. The doctor walked over to a cabinet and pulled out a bottle of pills, shook a few into his hand, and passed them to her. Sugar pills. No medicine at all. She looked down at the white capsules in her hand. I don't know. Look, if his symptoms return, we can seek alternative treatment. But honestly, this might be all he needs. The boy's mother nodded her head and took the bottle of pills. She looked over at her son, who was now beginning to stir again. Now the best thing you can do is just let him rest. Let me help you get him home. It took a few days before the boy's mother let him return to his normal routine. Part of this was for his own well-being, but it was also to avoid the patronizing eyes of the rest of the village. She replaced his medicine with the pills that the doctor had given her, and much to her surprise, he didn't seem to slip back into his old ways at all. Perhaps the doctor was right, and it was all in his head. It made no difference to her as long as her boy was okay. Now he stood before her, begging and pleading to return to his post up on the hill, longing to watch over his precious sheep once again. Please, Mom, it's so boring in here. And out there is any better? Just standing there, counting sheep? It's a wonder you don't fall asleep. The boy just looked up at his mother. Please? All right, fine. Hooray! The boy jumped up and was nearly out the door when his mother called after him. Yeah, Mom? She walked up to him and placed one of her hands on his shoulder while using the other to lift his chin until their eyes met. Remember, there are no wolves. The boy nodded and tried to turn away, but his mother had a solid grip on him. There are no wolves, she repeated one last time before releasing him. She said a silent prayer as she watched him run to the hills. The boy fell into the grass at the top of the hill and rolled onto his back as he worked to catch his breath after making it up at breakneck speed. It was a perfect day, and he lied there for a long moment as the clouds passed over him. The occasional bleat of a sheep relaxed him, and he closed his eyes. A gentle breeze blew across his face, and he allowed the sounds of nature to overwhelm his being. The bleeding began to increase, and the boy couldn't help thinking to himself, They know that I'm back. He sighed and opened his eyes to find no more visible clouds in the clear blue sky. A single bleat echoed throughout the pasture, and the boy shot straight up in panic. It was no normal call, but one filled with fear. A moment later, the air was filled with the constant cries of the helpless creatures assembled below him. The boy stood and clenched his eyes tight, unwilling to see what he knew was just a figment of his imagination. He opened one eye, and as expected... He found a lone gray wolf approaching the paddock at the base of the hill directly below him. He opened his mouth to cry out, but instantly recalled the words of his mother. There are no wolves. He squeezed his eyes together and took a deep breath. The chorus of frightened sheep grew louder, and he looked down again to see the wolf pacing back and forth just outside the gate, eyeing up his prey. The boy didn't know what to do. His mother would kill him if he cried out again. There had never actually been any wolves before, and he always ended up back with the doctor. Unable to think of anything better to do, he began to slowly walk down the hill, planning every step carefully as to not draw attention to himself. As he inched closer and closer, he could hear the deep growl coming from the back of the beast's throat. It's all in my imagination. The sheep backpedaled over each other, trying their hardest to distance themselves from the threat. But there was only so far they could go. The animal stopped pacing and appeared to zero in on its target. The growl increased in volume as it lowered its body to the ground, ready to pounce. It's all in my imagination. Just as the wolf was about to spring forward, the boy's foot met a fallen branch and a loud crunch gave up his position. The wolf's head snapped around and the boy could feel his pale blue eyes sizing him up. The wolf turned to face him, and the boy watched in horror as it once again lowered its torso to the ground, ready to attack. Before he could even think of his next move, the wolf sprung forward, knocking the boy to the ground with his powerful front paws. The pair's eyes met for a split second before the wolf completed his strike. His mother's last words to him echoed in his head as the wolf clamped his jaws down, sinking his teeth into the boy's throat. There are no wolves.
That's it. Yeah, that's interesting. That it did not go the way I thought it would. Because um, I wasn't sure what to expect from you, because normally you write the really dark stuff. Yeah, and... <laughs> It's it's weird because as I was reading this, I was like, how different did I make it? But like, because I feel like at the beginning, you're just like, okay, this this kid's a dick. <laughs> but um, I think once well, I mean, we you, once you we got to spin the spin on it, but a different kind of spin. And I think this is this is what I like about me and you approaching the same thing because you're never gonna get anything similar, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, so because I thought, like I said, I thought about inverting it where, like, the the kid would maybe not cry wolf when he should, and then when he finally did, it's too late, kind of a thing. Right. Um, but you didn't really invert that. You kind of stuck with the, hey, I'm I'm crying wolf, but no one's believing me. But in this case, it's you know, I, at least I took it as what he saw before was a legit hallucination. Correct. And then what, what he sees later is an actual wolf. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, so that that was that that was still I think you know a different take on it. Just not the one I expected. I wanted it to be um I want I I went into it wanting it to be drug induced. And I wasn't sure how to take it. Like I was going to do like an like an older dude first with like, you know, like some harder drugs, but then I thought it you know, maybe maybe I could use some like experimental thing, and and like this is what ended up coming out. So the I have a question about um the like this village. I unless I missed it, I don't feel like you dropped too many hints that would indicate a time period. No, I didn't, and I I kind of did that on purpose just so that I <laughs> it's kind of it was kind of a cheat for me because I didn't <laughs> feel like doing any research. <laughs> so. Um, I kind of imagined it like think um, like what was in my head and maybe it didn't. Well, I know I definitely I kept everything very vague. Like I didn't name anybody. Um, I kept everything kind of just like out there. But what I what I was kind of picturing was maybe like a like maybe like a South American or something village where you would have like um, it wasn't necessarily like first world, but it's not also not like third world poverty it's like somewhere sure. in the middle and you know there was like maybe like just like a doctor on site that was just kind of doing the best he could okay yeah i i uh i think with a fairy tale though you don't often get all those details anyway you know it's it true. is sort of generic but uh yeah i didn't know if 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 what was in your head it was like a like a medieval type village or if this was maybe something even more modern, but like maybe somewhere in Europe where it's kind of rural. Yeah, that's that was my thought, like South America, Europe, something like that. But definitely like modern because like I kind of painted it like kind of like an ADHD kind of thing mm-hmm. is what I was trying to get across. And, you know, I think there's there's probably a decent amount of, of controversy around whether you should be giving your kids drugs to fix stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I don't. I don't know if I necessarily did that to to take a stance on any of it. You know, like every kid's different. Like I'm not. I'm not here to to judge anybody, or, or I wasn't trying to make like a political take a political stance on whether we should be drugging kids or not. I just thought it was a good opportunity to get the kid to hallucinate. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. It's. it's it was. Um. It. 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 Read really. Well, you know. Quote. Air quotes. Read really well. Um, you know, as far as being able to kind of picture things and see, see the characters and, and, you know, like I said, your dialogue is, is always sort of, uh, the high point. So it's, it's what even, I do. Even, yeah. Even with the dialogue, you sort of get a sense of, of the character. Um, I feel like I, or at least I think I do, maybe I do a terrible job of it, but in a lot of my other stuff, I try to rely, you know, pretty heavily on body language. Sure. Maybe yeah. less on dialogue or maybe try to balance it um, to kind of get the point across. But your dialogue sort of like speaks volumes, I think, in, in some cases. And I, and I try to even read it with the inflection that I hear, which which might right. help a little bit. Um, right. that, that's my favorite thing to do, though. Like if I could just like if I could get away with just like two people talking back and forth would doing nothing else. That's what I do. But, yeah. you know, it, that, it would be interesting. I mean, you could do that uh, sort of as like an experimental kind of take on things like i think a lot of it is like i think um in terms of 
like the screen, like writing for the screen or whatever, just like storytelling in general, like Kevin Smith really inspires me. And if you go to his movies, like nobody ever shuts the fuck up. Like they're constantly talking. Yeah, he's, they're very dialogue, dialogue heavy for sure. I think that has a lot to do with it. Like I just and it's just something that I kind of gravitated to when I started writing. And it's just it's my favorite thing to write. Oh, I mean, it, it, it shows. Um, yeah, it was like I said, you had me guessing until the end. You know, obviously, when I, once we got to probably what, what would have been your last page or something, I saw I saw it coming. Right. Um, but you didn't you didn't tip your hand at all, which I enjoyed because it, well, it's good. I, I try to approach things even with movies, you know, like um, the Shyamalan movies, like people try to figure out what the what the, you know, the catch is or whatever. But, you know, before the movie's even done, I'm like, I, I don't do that. Like, I want to sit down and and not be – I want to be duped, you know what I mean? I don't want to try to figure things out. You know, I try not to do that. Um, and sometimes I'm successful. And sometimes – and I think it's just the more I write and the more I'm, like, in tune with, like, the process of writing a story, I think the more you're in tune to picking up on little things. So sure. so, so sometimes, like, I'll be watching something and I'll be like, oh – that's going to, that's going to, you know, um, that's going to matter. That's going to, that, yeah, that, that, that right there is something important and it seems trivial. And then sometimes I'm right. Sometimes I'm wrong, but most, I'd say say most of the time I'm right, but I really don't want to sit there and try to figure out what's going on. Like I want to be taken for the ride. And then if I really want to start breaking stuff down, I'll go watch it again or read it again or something. But like, I just kind of want to throw myself into the story and, like go for that, like take that trip, you know? Yeah. You want to be entertained. Right. That's what I try to do. I try to entertain. Hopefully it works. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. Well, this was a fun one. I'm excited. Like this was, this was fun. I'm, I'm glad we, I'm glad we did the, it, yeah, the fairy it was, it tale was, thing. It was an interesting prompt for sure. Yeah. Cool. So I think, I think that's about it for today, right? Yeah, I think that's about it. All right. So I want everybody to do Ian the Solid that I myself (laughs) keep failing to do and go read and review from Legend, which actually, this is a great time. It's on sale right now. Amazon, Kindle Store, 99 cents, along with like all of your books, right? There's only a couple that were normal price. The the Driver series is is also on sale. Just just the e-books, the print books aren't on sale. There's not a very big margin on them anyway, so it's hard to discount them very much. but. The, yeah, the driver series are all ninety nine cents a piece, and then from Legend, which is my latest novel, ninety nine cents. Okay, but the other stuff was still. I mean, it's still reasonable, like two ninety nine, three ninety nine, whatever. Like, yeah, it's not terrible. Cool. So yeah, go check that out. the The link's going to be in the show notes to his author page, where you can see all of all of the good things that that Ian puts out there for y'all. Um, I'm I'm just kind of doing this real quick just because I need to shamelessly plug myself. I've been trying to do um, a little more streaming on Twitch lately. Every year I do this um, this 24-hour gaming marathon for charity. I work at a children's hospital. I raise money. All the money that I make goes to the children's hospital. And every year when I'm doing this, I'm streaming for 24 hours. And I'm like, you know, I should really spend more time during the year to kind of like raise some followers so that when I do this – you know, every November, uh, I could have more people watching me with potential to raise more money for the hospital. So I started doing that again. Um, I've been having fun with it. I'm still trying to figure out like where my niche is. So I'm switching games up and doing stuff like that. But uh, if you're interested, you like to watch people um, stream, um, I'm, I'm going to tell you, um, it's not very PG when I stream because I'm terrible at video games and I swear a ton because I'm just awful. But it's fun because like, I'm that bad. It's fun. So come check me out. I'm going to throw the uh, the Twitch link in in the show notes as well. And I've, I've been trying to do that every Wednesday and Sunday uh, night. I, I go on about 10 p.m. Eastern and go for at least a couple hours. If that changes, I usually tweet if that changes. So anyways, do that. If you want to submit a prompt for us to write about in a future episode, there's a couple of ways you can do this. Um, join the Facebook group. Facebook.com slash group slash pod Links in the show notes. Uh, come there. Join. We could have a conversation. There's polls put up every month. You vote. You can put your, your own suggestions in. It's a good time. If you don't, if Facebook's not your jam, you can go to Twitter. We're at pod. Tweet to us there. We'll, uh, you know, we'll add it to the list. Or you could just use the contact page on the website, 
put prompt in the subject, type it in, and we'll make sure that people get voting on it. Um, let's see. Where can people go to see all of the things that are Ian Lewis? IanLewisFiction.com. IanLewisFiction.com. Go click learn all about Ian. Um, if you want to get in touch with me, uh, I just keep adding to the list of ways to get in touch with me. And, you know, don't be afraid. Like, I'm, I'm a nice guy. Like, you come talk to me. You go to MattShigarek.com. You can hit at MattShigarek on Twitter. Um, if you want to, I, I keep an eye on the, the P-Written Pod Twitter account. You can come watch me stream and talk to me live while I'm playing video games. The opportunities are endless. Come hang out with me. Uh, episode 11 is going to drop on August 5th. And the prompt will be, and I quote, the itching. Why all the itching? This was submitted by a friend of the show, Utah, from worldgonegeek.com. Go check his link out. It's a cool uh, satire pop culture thing, and they, they got some podcasts coming soon. So more about them later. But thank you, Utah, for the prompt. Uh, I got to tell you, I have no idea what the hell I'm well, going to do Well, I don't do know what this. I'm going to do with it either. <laughs> so, I, no mean, I mean, there's, there's a lot of places that can itch. <laughs> and there's there's a lot of things that can cause the itching. Um, I, um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we could be anywhere from like <laughs> some pollen to an unclean woman. Who knows? <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see where we go with that. But I got no idea what we're doing. Um, if you like what you hear, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts so we can keep spreading the word. Like we said earlier, like. More and more of you keep listening every month, and we really appreciate that. It's exciting that, that we have people come in and listen to us, to Yahoo's talk about writing for an hour. So I don't know. I think that's all we got. Yeah, thanks for listening. All right. See you next month. <laughs>